Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the show within the show. The show about the show. This is the Permission Granted Podcast, everybody. And this is where we take you behind the scenes of the mothership. And today's a very special PGP We remind you that there's multiple ways you can listen to the PGP. Download the Permission Granted podcast on iTunes. It has its own iTunes feed. Also, you can get it on the normal DA show iTunes feed. Also, it's available on our one-stop shop for audio online. That is daoncbs.com. Today is a very special PGP because it is the unofficial pregame show of the five-year anniversary episode. We, the DA show, launched like the rest of CBS Sports Radio, on January 2nd, 2013. We were the overnight show. So Scott Frell began at midnight, took it until 2 a.m. We were on there 2 a.m. Eastern time until 6 a.m. Eastern time. So we were the second show ever heard by our affiliates across CBS Sports Radio. We did the overnights for two years, 2013 and 2014, then the evenings, 2015 and 2016, and then moved to mid-mornings, in April of 2017, and that's where we've been ever since. And so tomorrow, Thursday, we're taping this on Wednesday, is the five-year anniversary special. And, Mirage, this has been in the works for quite some time. I think that we probably cooked this up maybe at the beginning of the year, right? I mean, it's been at least five or six months in the making. Uh, we definitely discussed it. I believe the time we first convened on this was the week of the or the week going into the bye week before you were going to be off before the Super Bowl Mm. because we were discussing what are our plans for after football and the rest of the year, and we brought up us being Mm. on for five years, if memory serves me correct, and we kind of targeted mid-summer for this to be the the, the perfect spot to do this. So maybe dating back to February when they first had the inspiration. Yes, exactly. Inspiration is now becoming a reality. Yeah. I was was motivated because... The Conan O'Brien, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, which ran, I think, 93 through 2011 or something like that on NBC, was the show after The Tonight Show, which was Jay Leno. And I always thought that Conan's show back then was hysterical because it was so weird, middle of the night, so quirky. They had B-list, C-list, D-list guests. It it never took itself seriously. I used to love Conan back then because it was so bizarre. And, you know, they had such weird characters like... Pimp Bot and the Masturbating Bear and just all types of really crazy characters. So they did a five-year anniversary special, which I bought on VHS. And I always thought it was so hysterical. And because I'd never heard of a five-year anniversary. It's always like 10, 15, 20. So I was like, we should do that now that we've hit five years. And looking back, I don't know if we'll have enough time in three hours to do everything that we want to do. 
Yeah, I, I am worried about that. Because I have gone through the archives and we've kind of collaborated on what we want to play back. And I won't reveal any of that at the moment. But even cutting them down to two minutes or less, let's say, per clip. And then you even just start adding it up going. I mean, it's not like you want to react for 15 seconds to each clip. So it's going to be real interesting to see where conversations go. And I think maybe that's the best part about the five-year anniversary is maybe we – it's not so hard structured as much as like you see where the conversation goes through everything, if that makes any sense. We have 20 clips. 19, technically. You wanted 20. One, you wanted audio essentially does not exist or will be like a needle in a haystack to get. Audio does not exist. More or less. It, it was something that you circled that I didn't have as audio. I mean, do you want me to say it out loud? Yeah. Okay, it's just the, the list of people that are on the now do not call back list. Right. Dating back to a couple of the names we've mentioned, and you said if there's any audio of us bashing them on the air. The problem is, at least for one of them, <clears throat> Bobby Valentine, we were basically asked to scrub from the archives, if right. you remember, which we, we, yeah. we can get into on the air, but none of that was saved in like best of folders or anything. And nor do we have any of that stuff exactly dated. So to find, or like the Richard justice thing, like we have like a clip. This is who is Richard justice, but we don't have the actual time <laughs> date of existence of that happening for me to go back and get it. So it would be simple guesswork. And then within guesswork, you're dating, you're guessing weeks, then you're guessing days and you're guessing hours, the way archives are saved in audio. So I don't know that we will have that together for tomorrow. Let me ask you about this. Could Joe D. find in his emails when he scheduled Richard Justice? He could, though his email account here no longer exists. Oh, that's right. That was, I thought of that. Could Does not exist anymore. And he might have texted him anyway, but there's no way he has that text like five years later. So we don't actually know the date that Richard Justice stiffed us. No, and the only thing in the Amendolara folder, I'm really going inside here. We have a folder labeled Amendolara with like show drops and stuff like that is uh, who is Richard Justice? Basically, you saying, like, who is this guy? So it's like the only, it's almost like finding a dinosaur bone all these years later going, I think this exists from a T-Rex. Like, that's what the drop is, but we don't know. It could be between a 200-year period that dinosaur bone came from. Could we get maybe a Jack A? What, there might there might have been an epic fail where we were talking about Jack A and Jack A's fans trashing us on the overnights. Okay, maybe I should pine through epic fails from year one, that was definitely year one overnight. Okay, here, the next problem, I will, I will tell you, and this is not making excuses at all. This is still behind the scenes stuff, as has been discussed and might be biting us for a while. Our labeling system was not good. Oh wow, interesting. Was not good. I remember actually bringing this up multiple times, year one and year two. You're right. Okay, so for those who want to know how we very easily access, let's say, throwback epic fails. It was about 10 months into the show that we started saving every epic fail with date, uh, let's say September 19th, 2013, epic fail dash five, five words on what the epic fail centered around. Right. Okay. We have every single epic fail ever made on the DA show saved. We have every single one. The first 10 months are just labeled date epic fail. <laughs> so you could go through to five epic fails a week for 10 months and... We could know right then and there that's how many epic fails exist or saved, but we have no idea what the heck they are unless you listen to every single one. So can I give you a little suggestion? When Would we finally have an intern... Have them go through that and start labeling them. That should be their project. Label every epic fail that's unlabeled. I like that. So 
again, the first 10 months are like the old file boxes detectives would have. <laughs> then the last four and a half years, everything's digitalized. So there's one other way we might be able to do this. Can you search when we were talking about Jack Hay through my Twitter? Let's see. September 1, 2013. Boy. I tweeted, good move. Jack Hay is still hurting because Killaskills tweeted at me. I thought about starting a Twitter beef, but I saw what happened to you and Jack Hay and thought better. September 1, 2013. Hang on. Hang on. Boy, riveting stuff here. The suspense is killing me. February 22nd, okay. 2013. We're not even two full months into the show. I tweet, to start your weekend in a high, here's my latest tweet beef with Jack Hayes fan club. Is she B-list? It's next on Crossfire. So that must have been the epic fail that we played. What the heck's Crossfire? Like one of those political shows. Yeah, but... I was just joking. Like, oh, okay. I thought that was a segment I didn't even remember existed. So in February 21st or anywhere around there, 2013, I need to search the epic fails first thing in tomorrow morning. Well, thankfully, I don't have to put together a topic list. February 22nd, 2013. Uh-huh. February 22nd, 2013, I, on a Friday, went into the weekend explaining the tweet beef. Okay, February 20... I'm going to text myself this so I remember the dates... This is live podcasting, folks. I'm look. I'm searching. When was the last time I texted? Myself. Also, by the way, guys, I'm just giving you this on the PGP. I am looking back through our Facebook page on that date. There's a link to this on my Twitter that I tweeted, and there's a link of my interactions with the crazy Jack Hay fans, and I actually wrote out what they were saying. Huh? And I called them Team Jack Hay sickos. So I'll read these on the show tomorrow. Okay. All right. Because they're amazing. Now that I'm looking back, I mean, Jack K super fans were outrageous. Well, now I've saved that date. So I, I got a big morning tomorrow. We get here bright and early, bushy-tailed, and, and put the finishing touches on this puppy. Well, you got nothing to do today. I mean, yeah, other than, you There's know, no CMB show. Other than prepare for the block party or anything, but sure. Yeah, I got nothing to do. So... Preparing uh, for the block party. Not more important. Fact, well, does that factor into your hours here? No. Technically, I'm off the clock right now. Oh. But. Well, have Pete do it. Good point. Yeah, well, Pete, we're going to get into inside B. Very busy day. Somehow, he's been promoted to hiring people here. <laughs> I know. Me and Bogus will discuss that inside B. It's no problem. It's no problem. I'm actually planning on getting here earlier tomorrow than usual anyway. Okay, actually, the tweet beef began on February 19th because I tweeted, I need to make peace with Jack Hay. Her fan club is now involved. So we have a good week there. That's it's, not that hard. It's February 19th through February 22nd. That was the tweet beef year. So we did a whole Jack Hay week, yes. and we're, we weren't even two months in. <laughs> no wonder we needed the chicken challenge come February. In, uh, honestly, I... I knew the bosses here had listened to my show in Boston, but I didn't know if they really knew the show in Boston. So yeah, that's like the seventh week we were on nationally. We're doing Jack Hay for a week. Well, this is the show that I that I want to do is about, is about Jack Hay tweet beef, and 
when we honestly, when we first launched, I was like, I'm just waiting for the bosses to swing that door open and go, like, what are you guys doing? What what is that sound? What your spaceship? What does that even mean? Do you think if the network launched today and we launched in our current time slot, could we do Jack A by seventh week? No. I would agree. No. We had to build up some credibility in doing a week of Jack A, which granted in the overnight, they kind of we should probably save this for the five-year anniversary, but maybe not because it's going to be a little too in-depth. But I think it, we were just gravy. The fact that we were on the air in the overnights, not getting, not screwing up the network, not kicking it off the air, not being right. an embarrassment. Close. Was a win enough. And then when they started seeing, like, affiliates started saying, like, this show in the middle of the night's great. Like, people are, I don't know why, but our listeners are totally locked in. They keep tweeting about it. They keep telling us about it. I think they started just going, like, Wow. Great. Let them keep just doing whatever they're doing, and we'll worry about all the daytime parts. Right. Maybe punished ourselves for an extra year by doing so well. And I honestly think we needed the overnights, though, to be honest, to get this show to where it is now. It may not be as crazy and as zany, as you like to say, now, had we not had the chance to start in the overnights and be that way. Yeah, it needed to have it needed to have roots, and the roots started because it was so weird of the overnights. It needed roots, it did, and then we got we got credibility because the first of all, the affiliates and our bosses couldn't ignore that the feedback was overwhelming for sure, and we were on all these major huge market affiliates. I always thought it was Schwartz's updates, but apparently not. <laughs> And that really set us over the top. And so then when we tried weird stuff again, we had some credibility because it had worked already once before. We had something to go back to. We had a playbook, if you will, to show, hey, this play worked then. Right. I'm looking at 2013 and the 2014, the overnight years. I mean. <laughs> Bill Belichick said, don't ask about those years. We're only looking for the present. <laughs> when the book is written on the overnight years, it's going to be really weird. Painkiller Pat was 13 minutes of a phone call. It was a 13. 15-minute phone call. Nearly, I think it was almost 14 minutes. You don't got to tell me. I had to cut Painkiller Pat down to two minutes. And for those 14 minutes, we kept saying, well, you guys kept saying, like, when are you going to break? When are you going to break? And I said, we have to milk this for everything it's worth because this is so crazy. This was like landing a marlin. It was like, you may never get one on the line again like this. He was so crazy. Also, I mean, you crying over Derek Jeter... Incredible. Stephen Akron, the gobbler. These are all overnight wackadoo moments. Nuts. Think about that. An overnight radio show, by the way, with the Jeter thing, like we went viral. It was Twi- everywhere. Twice. We Twice. Went, we went viral with that, and then we went viral with Stephen Baltimore robbing the 7-Eleven. Will in Baltimore. Will in Baltimore. Will in Baltimore. But yes, think about that. An overnight show nationally going viral. Twi- Deadspin, big lead, everywhere. People talking about it. Crazy. The only shame is, is that you cried and it went viral and we didn't have the simulcast yet. Because if we had video of you crying, it would have been even more epic. Because we have a still picture shot on YouTube. I mean, we can get into this on the five-year anniversary. I I did a mini radio tour like a couple days (laughs) later. They had me doing a car wash (laughs) to discuss the moment, which was just just crazy. Just absolutely crazy. But yeah. So I mean that really that really set the table and the and the ground running. This is going to be a lot of fun. I know it's really going to be great. Do you think we should have like Kenny Brock or Moralia or Joe Joe just do like a maybe we should just have them call in and do like a an audio postcard? 
Yeah, that could be a good idea. That could be a good idea. Hey, guys, it's Joe D. Uh, happy five years. Good to be a part of it. All right. Ooh. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, there's so much to stuff in here. From the evening years, I guess we would call them the night. There was the overnight years and then the evening years. I guess, yeah, we we'll call them the evening years. The problem is if you listen on the West Coast, they were the afternoon years. Right. And in Alaska, we were huge in Anchorage. It was afternoon drive. We were the Rolling Stones in Anchorage. <laughs> that was when you had your Chipotle rant. That was the geography bee. The geography bee. That was uh, oh, that was Joey Chestnut stiffing us. What do you think re- the relationship therapist makes the five year? Sit on top of a guy. You do a lap dance. I don't think to this day the relationship therapist gets the notoriety it should in DA show lore. Huh. First of all, we were still very fresh into being able to have in-studio guests due to the time we were on. Sure, that was February of our first year, so only two months into the evening slot. It might have been our first in-studio guest. There might have been another one or so beforehand. Now, in-studio guests are rather frequent. And the bizarre nature in which she took it, we didn't know what we were getting into. (laughs) And then she's just, she ends up being weird. And that was the thing, like, we thought, like, (laughs) when we booked her, it was like, all right, let's see if she can examine all of our love lives and... But it went from, like, we had to examine her. Like, there was something up with her and just twists and turns and, you know, talking about lap dances and lighting candles. Uh, asked Ryan Aselta, who was the update guy at the time, <laughs> if he didn't feel like a, a right enough man because he had to have his kids send his mother Valentine's Are Day cards. Are you cars. feeling inadequate, I think. Yeah, is he feeling question. inadequate? Like, she came shots firing, and I think we all, we all walked away at the time shaking our heads going, what the heck just happened? And we didn't know this... Because we just thought, you know, overnights were crazy and we're still fresh off them. I don't think we realized how many of those moments we would have from now, from then until now that that kind of gets swept under the rug. Like when you look at a Torg Bellinger or the Chicken <laughs> Challenge, you know, some of these history, you know, storied franchises, if you sure. will. You forget about that run of the relationship therapist and it doesn't seem like a big deal. But at the time, it was a wow moment. It was a real wow moment. Yeah. It was shocking because she was this little meek, petite girl with a skirt and uh like glasses she looked like a bookworm she looked like a librarian thought it was going to be a yeah library nerd and she was supposed to come in to help us on uh valentine's day right give relationship advice and she just got real lewd and she started talking about girl get on top of the guy you do a lap dance guys that feel inadequate lighting candles getting girls in the mood positions it got Rowdy. Yeah, I would say. And also, I remember when she walked in that day and I kind of had to guide her into the studio. She was so super nervous. She's like, I don't know if I could do this. She ended up off of that show and that appearance making her own 15 minutes of fame. Within a month, she was on Sid Rosenberg's show. She was on CNN. Was that right? Yes. And she did like something else too, like like an MTV show or something. Now, I haven't seen her or heard from her like since that mini run. (laughs) So, again, her career very short-lived, like Victor Cruz, but you know, but had a moment, had a Super Bowl run there, and it all started with us. If we have the Kenny Brocks, the Steve Morales, Planet Steve-O, the Jolt and Joe Ds, if we have them call in for an audio postcard. Like old-timers day. Do we also have to have the old update guys? Schwartz is available. Broke his hip. <laughs> He's lying in a hospital bed. Is he is Schwartz the most famous update guy in DA show history? Ooh, I'm. It could be Berman. I mean, that bogus just made a run. 
That's Bogush your Mount Rushmore right Bogush there. Bogish has made a run. Bogish has made a run because Bogish. Schwartz is from this standpoint. We have the most drops and references still in his time since. I mean, my baby daddy, Peter Schwartz. Um, yeah, how many of these, you know, hi, I'm Peter Schwartz. There are so many Peter Schwartz moments that have lived on forever that Bogish, had he ever, if he ever leaves, might we might also have those, but he's still in the current time. And Berman is still enough of a reoccurring character. So you think that Schwartz's fame is helped because he's no longer on the show. Right, because we haven't heard from him on the show since. Where, again, if, if that's anybody else, if that's Bogus or Berman, and we haven't heard from them in a long time, I think they're helped. It's, Schwartz is almost a bit of legend. You forget that he led national updates with Islander scores. But <laughs> the moments he's had there, I mean, there was a time Schwartz told a story about getting pulled over for, you know, child abuse or something like that in Florida with his parents. And then uh, he was at a Miller's Ale House or something. I don't know if you remember. And then <laughs> Schwartz was also on his neighborhood news for <laughs> complaining about stop signs. Like, there was always something with him. And we always had audio to, to piggyback off of that made Schwartz great. And then the there were times Peter Schwartz in the overnights would frankly be asleep in the newsroom. Yeah. And instead of warning him that because the updates used to fire automatically and you didn't toss to him, <laughs> Brock would not want to warn him and say, screw it, let him out to die. And Brock would let the update fire. And we would just have CBS Sports Radio music. And then we would yell for Pete's name when the music is already playing. And he would come huffing up a ramp into the studio. Couldn't breathe. <laughs> the Cardinals beat the Cubs. Three to one. And Brock would do that on purpose. Knew when Schwartz was sleeping. Like, those moments don't happen now with a Berman or the Bogish. But there were so many behind-the-scene elements with Schwartz that I think he's become a legend. He's a bit of lore. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. There were, I mean, not frankly, multiple times. I, I would say consistently two or three times a month. Maybe more. Maybe twice a week. Schwartz would be at his desk in the cubicle in the newsroom. And and remember, the cubicles where our old newsroom were were set off of the main newsroom. He would have pounded like three Diet Cokes, two bags of mini muffins, a sleeve of Oreos, a bag of potato chips, a bag of combos. And this would just be spread across his desk like it was a bear that had just ripped through like Yellowstone Park in a garage. <laughs> Basically, he played, he played supermarket sweep at a gas station every <laughs> night before he came in. And then he would be typing his updates, and it's in the middle of the night. It's 3.30 a.m., right? And I haven't gone to an update in 18 minutes. And in those 18 minutes, he would catch a cat nap at his desk. And it, he, his eyes would roll back in his head. <laughs> his head would roll back. And he would just be passed out, mouth open at the desk. <laughs> I would go in there to edit audio, and I'm like, wow, Schwartz is out again. Schwartz is just out cold. <laughs> Nobody there to monitor us. It was just me, you, Brock, and Schwartz, the only ones there. The only four people on the network were us. There was no engineers around. No salespeople, no, no nothing. No management. And so he would be out, and eventually, be you know, The only one in the news would be like a big dorm room for him. Yeah, and it was, all right, Mraz, go get Schwartz. Make sure he's up. Make sure he's awake, because he's got the update coming up. And then I would go to commercial break at 25, and then the update would fire at 30, right? No, well, at the beginning, it was 20, 40 in the top. 20, but I wouldn't toss to Schwartz is my point. No, you wouldn't, but the point, we had three updates, and he would be sleeping in between all three of them. Oh, right. So let's say I go, right, I had a break at 35, 35 right. past the hour. So I would break, I would go to the bathroom, or I'd be on the computer in the in the studio, and then 
the update would fire at 30 minutes past the hour, and Brock, as you said, purposefully did not go out, did not tell you to go wake him up, did not go out there to wake him up himself because he was sick and tired of babysitting Schwartz. So he would let it fire, hoping that that became Schwartz's alarm clock to then get up out of a, a deep sleep and run to the studio to do the update. And this was the genius of Brock, where I sat in the producer's <laughs> chair. The wall was kind of half cut off, and I couldn't see the update anchor's <laughs> chair that he sat in. So, like, if I was down pulling audio or whatever, there'd be several times where I just wasn't paying attention. I yeah. couldn't see that Schwartz wasn't in there, but Brock Damwell saw, and Brock just wanted... Brock did it like he was reeling in a Marlin. He just wanted the adventure of Schwartz <laughs> rumbling up knowing he was late. And, boy, you would get that multiple times a month. It was... Stuff of legend, and, really and you look was. back at the time. You look, you, you were in the going like laughing, but knowing it was a disgrace. You look back now, and it's hysterical. It's hysterical. I mean, it really was a romper room back there for us. Oh, no question. I and mean, then callers are getting involved. I mean, they they knew the Schwartz stuff. There was always a good Schwartz path. I think towards the end, you know, <laughs> people started to double cover Schwartz. There weren't many, as many plays developing for him, but you know, he he in his prime, he, you know, he could run a fly route. So, <clears throat> yeah, those are pretty epic. The I, feel fact, like we, I feel like we've already covered year one now on the five-year anniversary show. But none of that's necessarily going to make the the actual five-year right. show. We also have multiple wienerships. We have multiple Badlands Booker appearances. Yes. Multiple chicken challenges, right? Right. We had the one where it was just <laughs> the 50-piece nuggets. Right. Then we had the one. The wingership. The wingership. What was the one that the cheerleader won? That was the wings. And that started because Cleats and Cleavage Girl claimed she could clean the bone versus me and then bailed and no-show. Ava Fiore. Ava Fiore. We had to reschedule the event. <laughs> Ticket consumers were pissed. <laughs> so we, we brought in the, we brought in Shayna from the Gotham City Cheerleaders. Right. And that was a real eventful. That was like the Royal Rumble because Steve Moralia, who was no longer with the show at the time, came out with a box over his head. You didn't know who was coming because that yeah. was set up without you. Vince McMahon set that up. <laughs> and you're in the middle of trying to call the event with with, Moral, uh, with Wilkins, and Moralia comes in. It's a masked man. You don't know what's going on. It's me and Shana Eaton. Who's coming out of the dark? And it's Moralia. Crowd went nuts, if you remember. We I have mean, to have that audio tomorrow. Oh, my. Yeah, I, I can pretty easily find that. We got oh, it. my God. It's Steve Moralia. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> That was and the, that and the was listeners amazing. didn't know it was coming. That whole thing that was the ultimate surprise hook on the show, and that was part of the wingership. And that was for Moralia's revenge because he ate forty nine chicken nuggets to my fifty one <laughs> in the previous year's chicken challenge and got no respect for it. It was all about me, and he was he was the original. I didn't have any respect. <laughs> the way he burst through the Stone Cold Steve Austin music played too as well, stopping the CBS music, oh. and you were like, "Why is this music playing?" Oh my God, it's Steve Moralia. <laughs> How stupid. Oh, God, While other shows were leading with the Warriors. <laughs> well, I mean, it's great because everybody on the network has always kind of looked at us with a side eye. All the other hosts and all the other shows, like, what are they doing? What are they trying to pull in the middle of the night? What are they doing at night? Eating challenges. And this is so weird. But lo and behold, the dust settles five and a half years later. We're in a really good time slot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me how. We lead into Jim Rome, the most popular, the most famous sports talk radio show in the history of this industry. And somehow they let me host on the weekends like idiots. What a miracle. 
What is going on here? We didn't even wake up Schwartz. Boy, Brock did it right for himself, too. Brock got promoted. Joe D got promoted. James Ward got promoted. We're the pipeline. It's we. You got the Parcells tree. Succeeding in spite of all of our right. flaws. And the flaws are a plenty. <laughs> so the five-year anniversary show happens on Thursday. Make sure you listen to it live, 9 a.m. Eastern time or 6 a.m. Pacific. You could watch it at watchda.com. Of course, use your smartphone or use your smart TV, and you can actually watch it on a big screen TV or your uh, computer. Also, if you miss any part of it, obviously it'll be available on iTunes. You can listen to the entire show again on iTunes or on the website daoncbs.com. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I'm so, so excited. What's coming up on Side B? Uh, we got Andrew Bogus coming up on Side B. We were going to do Pete the Body Bilotti, but <laughs> Pete can't do it because he's taking on a role that isn't an official role right now in interviewing people. So uh, Andrew Bogus <laughs> and me are going to discuss that, as well as Bogus has had it two days into me being back from Hawaii with me discussing Hawaii. <laughs> so we got a lot to get into on Side B. All right, let's do it. Side B is now. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. All right, welcome into Side B of the PGP. (sighs) Refreshing to hear my own voice here. Is there any more egotistical than me? This is Mraz, the host of Side B on the PGP and executive producer of the DA show, joined by the bogeyman, Andrew Bogus. Hello. Uh, you're happy you're back. Uh, meanwhile, my headphones were on about 14, so I got your pompous intro um, on like triple the volume. So that was great. <laughs> All right. Thanks well, for having me. Couple, couple things to digest here. Uh, number one, Pete the Body Bilotti not here on side B. You might ask, where's Pete? You would think Sean right. would want to catch uh, up with Pete. again because the first option wasn't around. No, 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 no. no, no. Hold it's on. Cool. It's cool. No, no. The reason I'm going to say this is where's Pete? You would think Sean would want to talk to Pete about, you know, him having to fill in and Connor Green and all of that while Sean was away. I'm talking to the third person now. Mm. Pete tells me he's unavailable after the shows this week because, quote, I'm conducting some interviews with some potential hirees. Now I ask, well, Pete, what what is your job title? You're conducting these interviewees, for, hiring for where? <laughs> right. So Why the, you? There's so many questions. So the way I understand it, uh, to take you behind the scenes of CBS Sports Radio, our boss, who was very good to us, Eric Spitz, has recently left to take on another role at SiriusXM. So you know, a, a little shuffling here of roles. The guy who would conduct the interviews normally is now taking on some other responsibilities, our, our other boss, David, may, meaning that he needs somebody to kind of help out. And he has found Pete Bellotti. Trim the fat, so to speak. Right. Pete Bellotti is now the one, our, our own The Body is doing interviews for people who could potentially enter their radio careers here, <laughs> yeah. which means that these guys come in suit, resume, everything. Pete is the judge of character as to whether these people get jobs, these young kids get jobs or not, and he could literally ruin or make somebody's career right now. So David... And and doesn't have an official title to do so. So David used to be the gatekeeper. You'd meet with David first. Right. If you passed his test, then you got sent to the boss to maybe get hired. Now Pete's the gatekeeper sending you on to David with your golden ticket to maybe get a job. Correct. 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 But not 
even in an official capacity right. is the point. <laughs> right. Uh, he's been deputized. Like, right. <laughs> like, like I am going to tell you right now, and I, I don't. You don't talk about other people's money. If I had to bet dollar for donuts, there is no chance Pete's getting paid extra oh, right now to conduct not. the interview. No, 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 no. This... And I understand why Pete's doing it because right. Pete's ultimate role is he wants to be in a management position, and if he does this, <laughs> not makes City. it look good. But like. Uh, what are we doing here? Imagine yeah. walking in as he, Pete, Bogus, we were both young guys in this business, not to talk all over you. We both had to do our first ever interviews for internships or yeah. to get hired as part-time. And you sit down. Could you imagine it's Pete on the other side there conducting that interview? Uh, <laughs> nobody, nobody loves and hates this place simultaneously like Pete does. <laughs> if he could hit a button to destroy this not the whole building, but our two floors and everyone in it, he would. But on the, on the flip side, he happily agrees to do this because he wants to have – obviously, he wants to be more prominent. It's good for the career. But he also – he wants to find good people to work here because we have had a string of issues on the entry level level. <laughs> well, I would say that's so accurate. I think he's trying to find actual – useful employees as well in this. Which I should say, as much as I'm bailing on Pete, I hope he does that. Right. Because we need it. We need that. I mean, if you listen to DA's Trash Tuesday, I mean, that was a hint at some people that may work here. Or if you've met Sean. Right. (laughs) You don't want to hire more me. (laughs) I think would be the best way to put it. One is enough. You hire more guys like me. Like, the fact I am even sitting here with a microphone on (laughs) hosting a side B of a podcast is a miracle. That ain't going to happen again if you hire another me. So I hope Pete does right. It's just hysterical that, you know, knowing the way Pete is, yeah. that, and, and by the way, I, I want him to succeed. If this is where it ultimately takes him, maybe this won't be so funny one day, but right now it is. Well, and the, and the, and the idea that's not official. Right. Is, and then going funny. farther down the road, like these kids now are interviewing with Pete. One day soon, if Pete has his druthers, like we're going to be asking Pete for shifts <laughs> and like time off. <laughs> Pete, and would you mind if I don't work Thanksgiving morning right, this year? Exactly. So we should be careful. You know, at some point there should be a line where we should stop being mean to Pete <laughs> because one day his dreams may come true and he may be in charge of us. That's a good point. Yeah. Or he's running a station in Bangor, Maine. Yeah. I got nothing and I need to call him for a job. Yeah. Entirely possible also. Uh, the last radio station doing updates Pete will be in charge of and oh, have to hire me. Oh, my. Okay, so now... To get to that next point I was going to lead the show with, I am back from Hawaii, and you have already had it with my trip. Yeah. Had it. Yeah. Had it. In the newsroom, you, Moose from Taz and the Moose, mm. so I should say the Moose, came up to me having gone to Hawaii before and goes, how was it? And I'm explaining to him how was it. I, I honestly thought it was the best trip I've ever taken, and I've been to some nice places. You basically stand up from your computer and just go, oh, we're doing this again? Well, <laughs> first of all, Moose Moose caught my ear with a really weird follow-up. Like, I heard him say, how was your trip? What was the best part of your trip? And Valid then, question. And then you said uh, a boat tour. And right. Like, By the way, not Nepali craze. I'm mm. going to give him a little pub. The the leader of that boat tour, Eric, listener of the DA show, Nepali craze, hashtag. It. And you were very complimentary, saw in and out of caves, swimming with dolphins. I think these are the, it's the best thing I've ever done. Something very... The coolest thing I've ever done, I think. Yeah, for sure. And Moose's follow-up was, so it was great? Like, yeah, that's what we just talked about. Moose, so now so now I'm in. So now I'm in, and, and in your love of Hawaii, you go back to this... 
and it feels like America, which is nice. And I'm like, it is America. No, that, I, of course it feels like it. It is America. No, no, no. You, you say that point. when you go to Turks and Caicos or a place that's not controlled by the U.S. government. And you go, oh, it, you know, it feels like America. It's good. It had a lot of, you know, there was America. There were businesses I was used to, like TV stations I wanted to watch, like the music, whatever it was. It had HBO. Because you were in America. All right, well, let me explain, because I got killed for this for calling it a foreign land. Yeah, which it's okay. not. It's not a foreign land. Nope. I'm aware it's a state. I know there's 50 of them. There's 50 stars on the flag. This was the last state, I think. You know what? I don't even know that. It's either that or Alaska. Right. One or the One other. One or the other. Yeah. Okay? This was the last state. My point of corner of foreign land is it's not in the continental United States. Correct. It is disconnected. It is disconnected. Yeah. And if you go on any of these tropical vacations, like right. these tropical places, you go and you're like, okay, this is a little different. This is a little out there. I know that Hawaii is America, so it should feel like America. But when you go to what looks like the Bahamas or what looks like Bermuda, but it is America, it is, uh, I would say, I know it I know it shouldn't be surprising, but it is surprising. It's a different feel. So when I say a foreign land, I just mean like it's not Wyoming. It's not right. California. You go, you're flying 12 hours there. And then you get there, and oh my God, there's a Panera Bread. Like, it's bizarre, <laughs> is my point. And I was going to let the first reference, which I think was the foreign land comment, I was going to let that one pass. But then, during Trash Tuesday, you said a second version of that thought, which really set off the alarm bells that maybe you were confused about who controlled Hawaii. Listen, I know that my social studies and history <laughs> has been called in the question before, and rightfully so. Mm. I knew Hawaii was in America because I didn't have to scan my passport that I brought with me when I boarded the plane. So okay. that was the first key. Okay. But I'm just saying when you go there and you're like, I've been to how many, I mean, you're a big theme park guy because you have kids, but I'm assuming there was a point in time with your wife where you went to some cool places, yeah. right? All right? And I'm sure there's going to be a time where I can't go to these cool places exactly. anymore. But I've been to a bunch of them along the East Coast, a bunch of these Caribbean places. You go, it's just a different world because it's actually our world. And it's shocking. I understand. I like I, I understand your point. I think you verbalized it oddly. That got but, yourself I mean, in trouble. I, when again. I tell Moose, it goes, wow, it really feels like America. And you go, enough, of course, because it is America. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just saying it's still shocking that it feels that way. Like, even if it feels like America, you expect it. I expected to go there, and I just see pigs on, spig on spigots. I think that's the name of it. That's close enough. Close enough. Yeah. You know, girls hula dancing. And, uh, you know, when you hear Allahu and Mahalo. I mean, did you think that you were going to be, like, an explorer and the first person to, like, civilize no, Hawaii? I'm no, confused no, no. now. I, just, I didn't. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you, like, I didn't expect there to be a cheesecake factory outside of my hotel. Okay. Like, I, and don't get me wrong, I ate at a lot of local places. Right. But my point is, like, I expected it to just be a little different. You okay. Know, there's 7-Elevens everywhere. Right. Of course. It's it's just, it's startling. Yeah. It, it is startling. But I had a great time. Good. I'm glad. It was I'm, great to meet glad. bogus big fans of yours over in Kauai, really? too. Kauai doesn't feel as much of like America as Oahu does. Okay. We have a ton of DA show fans I That's met awesome. up with. That's awesome. Um, you know, Dan and the guys went out to dinner with them. It was it was a good time. I'm I saw shocked. the picture. I am shocked that uh, we have a Kauai fan base. Now, do they get us live or both? Okay, so some listen live at 3 a.m. Wow, uh, local time, yeah, early or maybe you know the, the last two hours, four or five a.m. Big fans of Trash Tuesday. I was told okay. as well. That's their favorite segment. Some listen on the podcast, and I was told by one of the guys, I could tell you're out this week, Moraz, because the podcasts are up slower. So we're back to PDB. Back to PDB. He wasn't <laughs> conducting so many interviews last week. Maybe we would have the podcast up. He was prepping for the interviews last He was last prepping. Night. Deep dives into bios of 22-year-old college grads. 
unbelievable. All right, Bogey, we're going to let you go here. All right? Oh, thanks. All right? So you you can, can keep fo- going by yourself? No, or? I'm going to wrap it up, too. All right, you can follow you on Twitter? You can, at Andrew Bogish. With a C in there. There's a C after the S, in between the S and the H, a tricky C. You could follow me on Twitter, at CBS M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. Have a great final weekend of July, everybody. Take care. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.